Beloved, if you have your Bible there with you today, let's turn to the 21st chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Today, I'm not going to be reading the whole discourse. I'm only going to be reading from verse 25 down to verse 31. And then we'll look at that together. Luke 21, verse 25 to 31. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars... On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity. At the roaring and tossing of the sea, men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. He told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all of the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see that for yourselves and know that the summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Amen. Beloved, we're in this passage, this great message of the Lord Jesus Christ, dealing with the end of Jerusalem, the end of the, 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 the time of the, the Jewish nation, also dealing then, catapulting, telescoping beyond that, Jesus then goes all the way to the end of time, to his, the sign of his coming And here in verse 25, just after dealing with the destruction of of Jerusalem and ending it with this uh, statement that Jerusalem shall be trampled on by the Gentiles in verse 24 until the time the Gentiles is fulfilled. And from there he catapults out until the end of this era. We know this he says, there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. He talks about cosmic disturbances. That there will be a very unstable time. Not just local. We're not talking about something that happens in, in the Middle East. Or something that happens in Russia. Or something that will happen in America. Perhaps here in Finland, I don't know. But we're talking about things that will be globally seen. That cannot be hidden or explained. You know there are things that happen in this world that you and I don't know about. I know that's hard to believe. But there are, there are wars going on today that you and I know nothing of. We may have heard a rumor of, but you do not know the details. There are conflicts and you know, difficulties that we do not know about. Yet, we do live in an era where we hear about things that happen. You know, an earthquake happened in New Zealand the other day. I heard about it 25 minutes after it happened. I have relatives in New Zealand who mark themselves safe, you know, safe. And then there was the tsunami warnings, and I was like, what? Think that on the other side of the globe, at the bottom of the world, I know really it's not the bottom of the world, there's no top nor bottom, but... For the sake of continuity. At the bottom of the world. The very opposite end of the world from us. Something happens and within 25 minutes. I, I know about it. It's crazy. 
But when these signs, these indicators, these relative revelations that are to come, these signs that are pointing to the coming of the Lord, when they happen, we won't need the internet to be able to know that they're happening. We won't need uh, newspapers or, or the TV or anything else. We will just look up and we will see it. It will be happening around us. We will experience it. It will be a global phenomenon. They, they will, everyone will be talking about it. It will be global warming. It will be climate change. It will be these big things. They will try and explain it off as catastrophes caused by carbon emissions or something other. But beloved, you and I know that these things have been written in the scriptures. They have been prophesied thousands of years ago. We have been told to expect them. So when they happen, you and I are not to be overcome with fear, with confusion, with instability and stress. It says here that on earth nations will be in anguish and perplexity. The world will erupt into chaos. There will be a worldwide... Can you imagine the, the, the carbon emission tax they're going to hit us with then? Can you imagine the, the, the worldwide Green New Deal that they're going to put upon us? It says here in verse 26 that men will faint from terror. It will cause so much... The word terror is... Which is you and I would imagine terror. They're so panicked that they just black out. They faint. The Bible says heavenly bodies. I read this week that somebody said that this was just hyperbole. That you know this is just fancy talking. Jesus didn't really mean heavenly bodies. How could stars, light years away, the other side of the galaxies, how could they fall upon us? But you and I understand that, that when we see a shooting star, we don't think of it as an actual star. It's not like the sun falling to earth. It's a meteorite, it's an asteroid, whatever they are, falling. And you and I go, oh, look, a shooting star. Yet we understand and know that it's not really a star. But we still say, look, a shooting star. But here, when you're talking about the heavenly bodies, it's talking about foreign matters falling into our atmosphere, causing those reactions that when you and I look up and we see and our minds automatically think oh my goodness it's a shooting star things are being shaken the I, I read again that that uh, this even could be a, a reaction to our atmosphere being unstable that there could be a, a problem with the the the, the, the atmosphere around us somehow weakening and shimmering. We don't know, but we do know that something will happen. The Bible then says, At that time they will see the Son of Man come with great, in a cloud with power and great glory. That's how we know that it's a future experience, a future event. 
because the Bible teaches that when these things begin to happen, it will soon finish with the coming of Christ. Christ has not come yet, therefore these signs have not yet happened. When these things begin to take place, verse 28, stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And then he told them this story about the fig tree and all the trees, and that's very important. Oftentimes, the the fig tree in the Old Testament was used as an example of Israel. But here, Jesus clarifies it, the fig tree and all the trees. He's just using trees as an example. When you see them begin to bud, you know that summer is near. He's saying that you, when you see these things, you automatically know. Now, when you and I look out the window and we see the, the birch trees begin to go green, we see the, the snow melts and grass turns from brown to green. And we know that summer is coming and the the days are longer. We are able to read the signs of the time and, and be able to accurately predict what will happen. Jesus is saying that we will be able to accurately predict what is going to happen through the given signs. We are able to predict tomorrow by what happens today. And that's very important. Sadly, in our day, the the doctrine of the second coming of Christ doesn't get as much attention as it should. The second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ isn't important, really important to modern believers as it has been to believers in the past. We fixate and focus our attention mostly upon the crucifixion of Jesus Christ the crucified, as we should. But we do that because of the second coming. Because we know that Christ is going to return. And he's coming not as a lamb, but as the lion, as the judge. He who shall judge the living and the dead at his appearing. Because we know that he is returning, we look to the cross. We look to that propitiation that redeems us that satisfies the wrath of God but again sadly we all too many of us we don't live in the reality that things will end we we think that life will continue as it has gone indeed Peter in his epistle in his second epistle in chapter 3 he deals with these things let me read it to you second peter chapter 3 i'll begin in verse 2 i want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our lord and savior through your apostles first of all you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires They will say, where is his coming? He promised, even ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of the water by and by water. 
And by these waters also the world at that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything that is in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. The day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of the righteous. Amen. As I said, sadly, because of controversies, because of confusions, the, the, the doctrine of the second coming of Christ is desperately neglected within our, our modern day faith, among our modern day churches. For most Christians, we don't think of the coming of Christ. We, we, we don't anticipate it anymore. We don't look forward to it. We don't wake up in the middle of the night thinking, yes. All too sadly, we have been influenced by whom Peter talks about, these scoffers. Remember he said there in verse 3, that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own, own evil desires. These people who, a scoffer is someone who makes fun of, a mocker, who looks at whatever you've done and goes, <coughs> the idea is to, to make light of, to mock and to put down, to make you feel inadequate, to cause you to doubt. Do you really believe that? Isn't this really the, the actions of the enemy, the devil? Did he not say to Eve in the garden, did God really say? Did God, he knows that you won't die. And there is this scoffer element to the, the, the dialogue or the, the conversation there in the garden. As the time gets closer to the coming of Christ, these scoffers, mockers, these in unstable people, they shall be produced all the more. Now, I have read that this will be the unbelievers, but I don't see it that way. Paul warns us, doesn't he, in his, in his letter to Timothy, that in the last days, people will heap up for themselves teachers who will tickle their ears. I don't believe that these scoffers are people outside the church because Paul or Peter wouldn't be warning his readers of them. He's warning his readers of those who are within the church who scoff and make fun and make light of 
the coming of Christ. And he tells us, though the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Peter tells us what they'll even say. They'll say, where is the coming he promised? Everything ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. They are, I want to use the word continuationalists. They believe that as it has been, so it is, and as it is, so it will always be. And they have lost faith in his coming. They no longer live under the urgency that time is ticking away. They have been deceived or have deceived themselves in believing that they can live whatever way they please and do whatever they want and there will be no accountability because Jesus is not coming. It's been 2,000 years. My goodness, he hasn't come now. He'll never come, they say. And because of that, then, there is the elements of antinomianism. That is lawless living. A lifestyle that is devoid of any kind of real Christian element. They break down the Christian life into the, the Apocrypha 11th commandment. Thou shalt be nice. Being a Christian is reduced simply to being moral in accordance with the, the views of the world. Verse 5 it says, But they deliberately forget that by long ago, or that long ago God's word, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of the water and by water. They're even disconnected to their past. They no longer believe in the supernatural power of God. They question even the beginnings of our Christian faith. The Bible says that this spirit of scofferness, I don't know if that's a word, but we'll, we'll use it, will be prevalent in the last days. And the people will begin to doubt and disbelieve in the second coming. It will not factor into their thinking or into their faith. And beloved, as we get closer, and we are certainly much closer today than Peter's audience that he's writing to here in his epistle. You and I, beloved, stand much closer to the second coming than they did. If, we, if they could say in their time that they were in the last days, how much more could we make the claim that we are in the last days? We live in a time of scoffing and mocking where... Christ and Christianity are not taken seriously. The things of the gospel are rejected and even rebuked. If you hold your Christian beliefs, you will be rebuked by the state. We live in a time when evil has become good and good has become evil and the scoffers and the mockers are in great number. They don't live in fear of that day that is coming. They no longer live under the light that all that we see around us will end. We read it. The Bible says it. Do you believe the Bible? 
Do you believe what is written in the scriptures? Or do you just blank out? Ignore it. Oh friend, if only we could get a hold of the scriptures. Or the scriptures could get a hold of us. That we would begin to live our lives in the light of revelation. And not swayed by what happens on Facebook or Twitter or any of these modern day worldly secular things that so shape the trends of the modern world. Oh, beloved, the Bible tells us that these scoffers will come and you and I must guard our hearts. We must be on our guard. Isn't that what Jesus said all the time to his disciples? Be on your guard. Be self-aware. Protect yourself from these attitudes. Protect yourself from being influenced by those who would scoff and mock you in order to steer and motivate you. Beloved, do you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again? I do, I do, Kai, I do believe that. I just, I'm not concerned about it. I don't think about it. It's too confusing. Who knows when it will happen? It's got nothing to do with me. Beloved, do you not have family and friends? Do you not have neighbours in your street? Are you not moved by compassion when you see the children? in the parks or in the ice rink or when you you look at the old people in their frailty so close to eternity are you not moved with compassion do you not understand that a day will come when fire will be poured out when judgment will be poured out and those who are left behind, those who are not resurrected from the grave or caught up together with him in the air as it says in the scriptures, those who must face the judgment of God. It's terrible. Beloved, we must be all the more faithful How then, in the light of these scoffers, in the light of those who would try and motivate us and manipulate us by mockery, how are we then to respond in our steadfastness, believing in that second coming? Well, the answer would be in verse 11. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live your lives holy and godly. Beloved, because you believe in the second coming, because you believe in the finality of that time, you should be motivated all the more to live holy lives. That's not moral. Oh, please. That's one of those things that bug me as much as Jesus and his little lamby thing. You know, Jesus in his bedroom with his lamb. I hate that. But this holy does not mean moral. It does not mean acceptable to the world. Holy means 
separated from the world, separated unto God. It means being more God-like than man-like. It means doing things His way and not the way of the world. It means that there's a difference between the world and the church. We are commanded to live holy lives. There is a difference about us in our appearance, in our conversation, in our acts, how we behave ourselves, but also in how we express our religion. How are we faithful in our worship of Him? Is there a difference? The idea of Christianity as being a religion has fallen out of favor. You know, I grew up under a time when we would say that Christianity isn't a religion, it's a relationship. It's a relationship. It's my relationship to Jesus. You can't see my relationship to Jesus. But it's my and I would say yes and amen to that. But then that relationship must express itself in your religion. Meaning your religious behavior. Your religious worship. How do I know your relationship with Jesus is true and real? It is expressed in that you obey his commandments. And follow his statutes. That you walk in his ways. And that you obey everything that he commanded us to do. So when we talk about holy living, we talk about lives that are holy. It is, there are lives that are different than the people in the world. The people in the world look at you and go, you're odd. Why do you do that? And you say, because I have a living hope. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Not as a lamb, but as the lion. Not this time as a saviour, but this time as the one who shall judge the living and the dead. Beloved, I would be ready for that. And I would desire you to be ready for it. Why has the church of God lost its power in our age? Because we have lost the fear of the second coming. We, we have reduced it to something secondary or third. It's no longer a living hope and a reality to us. We just don't think about it. It makes me feel uncomfortable and I don't want to think about it. It makes me sad when I think my kids might go to hell. They will go to hell if they do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. They stand on the wrong side of that judgment. You say, well, that's up to God. I, there's nothing I can do, really. Has he not called us to be witnesses? Has he not called us to demonstrate the reality of the faith? When they look at you and I, do they see a redeemed life? Not a morally good person. Not a successful in the eyes of the world. But a forgiven person. Do they see a redeemed person? Do they see someone who has a true and real hope? Beloved, we are called to live holy lives, but also godly. Godly. What does it mean to be godly? God-filled. Let me ask you about your prayer life. Let me ask you about your, your Bible life. 
May I ask you about your, the knowledge that you have of the Lord Jesus Christ? From the New Testament and from the Old. And has that knowledge filtered down into your conversation and into your behaviour? We are to be godly. That is full of God. God-like. And I don't mean that little gods. We all understand that. Our response to the doctrine of the second coming should produce within us holy and godly lives. Not less. We shouldn't become less. We should become more. In these times of troubles, in this time of of passive persecution, Christians are being challenged as to their commitment, to their walk with God, to their day and daily relationship with Him, to the reality of their religion. We live in a time of soft persecution. Of scoffers. See it begins with the scoffer. It begins with the mocker. But then it escalates. It gets a little bit bigger. Mob mentality kicks in. Our response shouldn't be that we are motivated and manipulated by the scoffers. By the fear of man. Which becomes a trap, a snare to our souls. Which then leads to, we begin to emulate, copy the mockers. We parrot them because we want to be like them. We begin to say the things that they say. We begin to demonstrate the godlessness that they're demonstrating. It should not be so in the church. It should not be so in the church. Don't allow the world to dictate to you your relationship with Jesus. Don't let the world decide for you the how, where, and when you shall worship or practice your faith. The final and highest authority for our faith is the Scriptures. The Bible says that we are to live holy and godly lives and, and make it your ambition Make it your ambition to be holy and godly. They're not spiritual abstract quantities. They're not something that you can't obtain. They're obtained by your attitudes and by your actions. You can become more holy. That doesn't make you a hypocrite. Control your tongue. Control your heart from the many cares and worries Become more holy by living expectantly that Christ shall return. Become more godly. More like him. Study the scriptures. Meditate upon them. Read them. Learn them. Study them. Write them down. Speak them on your phone or whatever you do. Record them. Understand them. See how Jesus is reflected in the Old Testament and understand about him now and allow that to sink down into your heart and for that love then to blossom up. 
Become more godly in that you, you seek God. You seek Him and you pray. Not just interceding for the world and for the people out there, for our family, friends. But for spending time together with Him. Make it your ambition, beloved, to live holy and godly lives. Not to be overcome by this spirit of scoffer. That leads only to backsliding. Leads only to lukewarm Christians. Give yourself over to him. Run with him. Cry out to him. Beloved. In verse 14 it says. So then dear friends. Since we we are looking towards this. Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless and at peace with him. Christian, you are to be looking forward. There is to be a sense of expectation in your heart. The doctrine of the last days, of the signs. Jesus is teaching us that we can predict the future by what happens in the present. Because of the things we see happening around us in, in that particular in Luke, he's talking about the, the signs in the heavens, and the signs on earth. You and I, beloved, we need to not become less religious. We not, need not to become unstable in our faith because of the things that are happening around us and and the passive persecutions that are going on. That should not cause instability within our faith, but rather that should lift us up, should cement us, should give us a firm foundation. Why? Because our Lord warned us. The Holy Spirit warned us through the writings of the Apostle Peter. Scoffers will come. Don't be afraid of those who scoff and mock. You know, you post something on Facebook or, or if you do that and somebody, somebody puts a, a laughing face and makes a, a foolish comment. Oh, do I have to take it away? I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to cause anybody to stumble. Don't be afraid, beloved. Release the, the word of the Lord. Stand up. Don't be ashamed or embarrassed to say, I believe that one day Christ shall return. I think Christians are embarrassed to say that. I remember when I was working in Varax and I was sitting at the table with my young man. And uh, we had the discussions about dinosaurs. You know, they were laughing at the fundamental American Christians who believed that, that there were dinosaurs on the ark, or that, that the world was only 6,000 or something years old, and I was like, I believe that. And they were like, how can you believe that? You're too sensible. And they believed that the, that the world was destroyed by a, by a flood, a global flood. I, I believe that. And they kind of all looking at you, you know, giggle, giggle. How can you believe that? And I said, I believe in more stranger stuff than that. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, was God, is God, that he was crucified to pay for the sins of the world and that he rose from the grave. He actually physically resurrected. And they're like, and then you say, well, and then I, I believe even stranger than that, I believe that he was caught up 
He was bodily, physically lifted from this earth and disappeared into the clouds. And they kind of all silenced around the, the table. Mm-hmm. Oh, how, how can you believe that? And I said, brothers, our friends, I'll tell you even stranger than that. I believe that as he left, he'll come back. He'll come back and the Bible says when his feet touch the earth, the mountain shall split open and a stream will flood and that the heavens and the earth will fade away. And I talked about the end times. And you could see their faces going, how do you believe that? Because it is written in the scriptures. All too many of us as Christians are embarrassed. Are embarrassed to let people know what we believe. All too few of us actually know what we believe. Beloved. We are looking forward to that day. It means we have expectancy. We are expecting it. The Bible talks about the second coming in the terms of pregnancy. When a baby, a woman is pregnant and expectant with child, there is a, an expectancy of the birth, a looking forward to it. You're kind of, oh, oh, I can't stand it. Beloved, here in the teachings of Lord Jesus Christ, we need to take to heart these things, not to be overcome by the the forceful mockings and scoffings of the people of this generation, of those of the last days whom were warned about, not of the non-Christians, but of those who profess faith in Christ, who would have us rather do things the way the world would have us do them, rather than the, the way that we are commanded to in a holy and godly fashion. Let us live our lives not to the pleasure of this world, but let us live our lives to the pleasure of our King and our Lord Jesus Christ. Make it your ambition to gain holiness and godliness. You can. You can. Seek him while he can be found. Cry out unto him. Make the effort. Study his word. Spend time in secret prayer. Love the brethren. Make it your ambition to demonstrate the reality of your Confession of faith. And beloved, let us as, a, as individuals and as a church look forward to his second coming. Let us be expectant. Let that expectancy be seen. Let us be ready for the kingdom. Let us warn those around us. If you knew a tsunami was coming, If a tsunami hit Finland, we'd all be dead because we're so flat. But if you knew a tsunami was coming, like my family from New Zealand who who signaled that they were safe during that that earthquake and then they put the tsunami warning out that everybody had to get the high ground because there was a a tsunami coming in. Have you seen the pictures of gathered up on the mountains protected from the, from the, the... the flood that came. If you and I knew that there was a tsunami coming, would you not warn people? Would you not make it your effort to, to go and rescue your neighbors? If you saw your neighbor's children out playing in the street, would you not do something? 
Would you not be moved by compassion? Beloved, there is something much worse than an earthly tsunami coming. Much worse than a a flood merely of water that will cover a, a, a localized area. The Bible talks of a tsunami of flame. A flood of fire that will destroy the heavens and will burn up the, the elements of the earth. There will be nowhere to hide. There will be no high ground except the high ground of heaven. Beloved, are you not motivated by mercy? You count yourself as a good person. You count yourself as a moral person. But are you looking forward to the coming? Are you making it your ambition to be one who lives openly and undeniably? When people look at you and they ask, why are you so different? What is it about you? Where do you find this great strength and reservoir of energy? And you say to them, because I know he's coming. I know he's coming. He is the fountain of life. He who drinks from him shall never thirst again. Oh, friend, let's, let's not be like the people of this age. Let's not be like the people of this world who think things are just going to go on the same way. Let us take notice of the signs, the dangers of the heavens and the dangers of the, the, climate, climate, the climate changes. I'm not a great climate change believer, but I do believe that the climate will change. The scriptures say so. I'm not a great atmospheric uh, conspiracy guy, but I do believe the scriptures tell us that these things will happen. Beloved, make it your ambition to live holy and godly lives. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray that you'd help us this day. Lord, these are practical teachings for our practical people. We thank you, Lord, that you did not leave us in the dark. You did not hide these truths from us. But, Lord, that you told us in clear speech that in the end times there will be signs in the air and there will be signs in the earth. That the changes will cause great pressure and stress. Lord, that people will be terrified so much so that they will collapse and, 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 be, and faint in fear. Lord, we, 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 we know that also you've told us that in the last days, scoffers will arise. Lord, that they will seek to cause instability and doubt over your word. They will doubt the, 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 the nature of your coming. And the timing of it. And they, Lord, will encourage us to live as pagans do. But Lord, we pray and ask of you, Lord, to help us to know that you are faithful. And the time that has passed has passed because, Lord, that you are patient. And desire that no man should perish, but all should come to repentance. Help us, O Lord to live our lives in the light of these teachings, the Lord, to make it our, our ambition to be holy unto you and holy from the world. Make it our ambition, Lord, to be godly, 
men and women who know the truth and put that into practice. Lord, help us to seek you in your word, to be nourished by the teachings of the scriptures. And Lord, then to to be cleansed by the teachings of the scriptures, to be sanctified, Lord, by putting into practice those very things that you have commanded us to do. Lord, help us. We confess that we are so easily distracted. We are more influenced by the the voices of our age rather than the voice of your word. Lord, we pray you'd help us to change our thinking, to change the way we look at the world. Lord God, that we would have a Christian worldview that expects you and is waiting, waiting upon you. The Lord knows that you're coming and that is unashamed of it and does not hide it or is embarrassed of it in any way. Lord, help us to put back the second coming in the first place of our faith. Lord, for we are expectant. Lord, help us. Lord, we ask these things for your glory and your glory alone. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.